Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor podcast. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with civil and geological engineer Bernard Musarura. Enjoy this truly informative conversation. Civil and geological engineer Bernard Msarura, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Thank you for having me, Trevor. You know, as I was reading around, researching, I, I was fully convinced that you are the man we should blame for the pathetic state that our roads are in. Yes, our roads are in a very sorry state. And uh, I, that's perhaps why I'm here, to try and uh, explain what is happening to our road sector. Right. I've spent 45 years of my professional career in roads. Mm. So I understand, I live and breathe roads. Mm. So I would like to share with you my opinions on what's happening and what needs to be happening. What's done. happening? What's happening, Bernard Sarura? What's happening essentially is that uh, we are failing as a country to put in sufficient resources required to maintain our national roads network. We know what has gone wrong. Uh, we had done things that would have solved the problem. Uh, when we set up Zinara, I would explain to you that mm. I was involved in uh, the creation of Zinara as far back as 1994. That's how far back uh, we went in uh, establishing Zinara, uh, which started off uh, with uh, an institutional study uh, that was uh, funded by the World Bank. Uh, the World Bank had uh, come up with a proposal to say, how do we sustain funding of the maintenance of the national roads networks in every country? Mm. So they came up uh, with a series of uh, uh, suggestions, and uh, the one that seemed to have uh, found uh, uh, acceptance around the world, uh, not only in Zimbabwe, but uh, all over the world, is uh, this uh, principle of the road user pays principle. Mm. Uh, we do that uh, with our utility services. Uh, if you don't pay for your electricity, you get cut off. If you don't pay for your water, you get cut off. But for roads, we seem not to have a way of cutting off one from driving if they haven't contributed towards the maintenance of the roads. So the road user pays principle targeted certain uh, road user charges. These are charges that can be levied on every motorist uh, to try and raise the required revenue for the sustainable funding of the roads mm. network. Mm. And uh, through this uh, institutional study, which was initiated, as I said, by the uh, World Bank, uh, Zimbabwe also embarked on the same road user charges principle. Uh, from 1994, there were consultations uh, with various players uh, around the country before we went on to do the uh, national, that was national institutional study, before mm. we went on to establish what was called the Road Sector Reform and Development Program. Mm. The Road Sector Reform and Development Program was now coming up with the various operational manuals. It even included uh, the drafting of the Roads Act, Chapter 13, uh, which then led to the creation of the Road Fund and the establishment of the Zimbabwe National Road Administration, ZINARA. Mm -hmm. uh, through this uh, process, uh, 
it was established that uh, there was need to come up with road user charges uh, where the motorists would this is contribute. This is tolling, hey? No. No. No, okay. no, not only tolling. There are several road user charges. Okay, uh, can we go through those? What are those? Well, the first and first, foremost fundamental one is uh, the road levy okay. or the fuel levy. Mm -hmm. This is left on the pump price of fuel. Where every time in the motor... Fuel motorist, levy? Then there is... Uh, the road levy? No, no. The fuel levy. Then there is the toll gate fees. Mm -hmm. These are fees uh, levied at the... Uh, 29 odd uh, toll gates are uh, scattered around the country where motorists uh, pay to pass through that particular toll gate with the funds accruing to the road fund. Uh, then there's the traditional vehicle licensing. Mm -hmm. uh, every motorist knows that they have to license their vehicle every quarter or whatever period uh, through the local authorities, which was the case before. Uh, but uh, nowadays it's done at various uh, outlets that are operated by Zinara. Again, the toll fee, uh, the vehicle license fees accumulate to the road fund. Uh, there is also what is called the transit fees. These are fees collected at entry points for vehicles, foreign registered vehicles transiting through Zimbabwe. Mm. Uh, I can uh, put them in perspective for you in as far as... Uh, the last uh, published information that I've got on uh, the amounts that were accruing to the road fund. Uh, the target fees, this is uh, going back to the 2016-2017 budget, mm -hmm. it's another budget for which I've got the figures. Uh, the target fees were accumulating to about 50, 60 million United States dollars per annum. A similar amount was also being collected from the fuel levy. A similar amount was being collected from uh, your vehicle license fees, and about uh, 20 million was uh, being collected from the transit fees. Mm. So you will find that uh, between two, uh, 2015 2017, the road fund was uh, collecting about 200 million Zimbabwe, uh, United States dollars, which uh, was supposed to uh, be disbursed to the 93 designated road authorities. These are your road district councils, uh, your urban councils and town boards, as well as the district development fund and the Department of Roads in the Ministry of Transport. Mm -hmm. Those are the 93 designated authorities. So if, if we're raising um, uh, engineer, I'm sorry, 200 million mm -hmm. a year, yes. why, how come our roads are in such a terrible it's, situation? It's very simple. Uh, from around 2009, uh, when these uh, funds were being collected and disbursed to the road, road authorities, they happened to have been some uh, malfeasance. The, the funds that were being collected were hijacked. Uh, when you look at the 2016 Zinara budget, and you find out that only 48 million out of the 200 million collected for the road fund ended up with the 93 designated road authorities with the other 152 million going to other expenses. Then you realize what What, we, what are the other expenses? This is uh, the tricky part of it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I won't try and say what I think. I think for the benefit of the viewers uh, all over the world, it's important to 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 
let them know that you were the founding chairman of Zinara. So you obviously speak with a lot of authority. You were chairman of Zinara from 2001 to 2005. So back to that point where you're saying there's 200 million that mm. ought to be dispersed for the construction and improvement and repairing of our roads. But you as Zinara got get 48 million. And my question is, where does the rest go to? And you say there's malfeasance, malfeasance there. And I'm saying, what does this sound like? What does it look like? Well, it looks like uh, there are various uh, misappropriation of the funds uh, with uh, contracts where work was uh, not done. Uh, that was supposed to have been done on certain roads. There were certain uh, individuals and contractors that were paid monies to uh, construct or maintain roads. Now, let me go back a bit and explain the purpose and intention of uh, the road fund. Before you go there, mm -hmm. um, we'll go to the road fund. So you're saying people were paid. They and didn't do work. No. And uh, we've got uh, certain uh, contracts, some of which are even uh, still in subsistence today. Uh, if you look at uh, the Portfolio Committee on the uh, public accounts. They produced a report on Zinara. If you look at uh, the forensic audit done by a private entity, uh, they both reports clearly indicate what has gone wrong at Zinara. Uh, they are activities that bordered on criminality mm. uh, in the abuse of those funds. And, uh, the and by the way, sorry to cut, to cut your stride there, both Parliament and the Auditor General have come out consistently with negative reports on Zinara and uh, the Road Fund. Yes, they have. And ironically, no clear-cut action has been taken. Yes, there's been some token arrests, uh, but we still have some of the contracts which have been identified in these reports. And, and as being anyone's unfair. which, anyone's which, uh, which, which yes. stick out? Yes. Uh, I will tell you the, the, the two that uh, stick out like a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. uh, there is an entity that provides the software that is used at the targets. Mm -hmm. uh, Zinara operates, used to operate 29 targets. Uh, 19 of those are still being operated by Zenara. Uh, the other ones that are on the uh, Plum Tree, Lawayo, Arari, Mutari, Forbes Road have been now taken over by another entity that is running those toll gates. But uh, those that are being run by Zenara, they use a software that is used in uh, collecting the funds. Mm -hmm. uh, it's charged, the software is being charged at 18% of the revenue collected. To put it into perspective, in 2016-2017, that translated to 9 million United States dollars for the software annually. Mm. Similarly, the software that is being used for the licensing of vehicles at the various outlets that are operated by Zinara, which licensing used to be done at the district office or the city of Harare or other local authorities, that was taken over. And again, there is another 60 million collected from the, the vehicle license fees, or used to be collected then, which again translated to another $9 million, US dollars, for the software used for the vehicle licensing. Mm. And when you add, and it's all in the reports, when you add the 
actual collection phase of about 7 million. That entity is collecting or was collecting up to 25 million US dollars for the software. Do we know this entity? Yes. What, are, what are they called? They are there in the reports. Okay. Uh, Southern Trading Company. Who owns that uh, Southern Trading Company? It's not clear uh, exactly who owns it. Uh, but uh, if you look at the reports that I've referred to, uh, the uh, Forensic Audit Report and uh, the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee Report and Zinara, the details are presented there. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been efforts by previous uh, boards uh, to try and get away from this uh, situation, to try and uh, redo or renegotiate these contracts, which obviously look uh, unreasonable and unfair. That's one. But, uh, but these efforts have come to naught. So far. Mm -hmm. There doesn't seem to be the desire to rectify this issue. I don't know why. So why, why. Why do you think it's not being rectified? As former chairman of, of Zenara, you must have some inside intel or uh, some information that explains why these contracts, which are so onerous. Besides being uh, the inaugural chairman of Zenara 2001-2005, this was following on my involvement in uh, the institutional study, the road sector uh, uh, development, the reform and development uh, program. I was then invited by the then minister, uh, the late uh, Sweden Mombeshwara, to chair the board of Zenara. And uh, the answer to your question, Trevor, is uh, very simple. There is uh, some reluctance. I don't know exactly where it stems, why the powers that be, the relevant authorities. Zenara falls under the uh, responsibility of the Minister of Transport. And obviously, the minister reports to the office of the president cabinet. But with all these uh, reports, the evidence that has been presented, it's, it's, it's baffling why nothing is being done mm -hmm. to recover the situation. Now, is, is it, am I, correct me if I'm wrong, but as you're speaking and what I've read, my suspicion is that whoever this company uh, belongs to must be connected to somebody at the top. Because that's the only reason that could uh, uh, result in a case where these onerous charges uh, and what this company is getting goes on at the expense of the people that are paying and the roads are still in such a terrible situation. Yeah, that has to be the, the, the explanation, that uh, someone uh, is paying a blind eye to an obvious uh, travesty that is happening to our roads network. Trevor, when you look at the fact that uh, in 2016, 2017, there was a national road condition survey that was conducted, uh, which came out indicating that the majority of our roads are in a poor to fair state, with very few of our roads uh, in a reasonable condition. Uh, government has seen it necessary to come in with the emergency road rehabilitation program. We are now into in, in the ERRP2, having gone through the first road rehabilitation program, where government has uh, stepped in to provide the additional funding required to do something about our national roads network. Our roads, I mean, just drive around your facilities here. <laughs> you, you, you don't need to go very far. You'll find out that our roads are beyond repair.
we now have gone beyond what Zinada was established for, which was to maintain the roads in a reasonable condition. Most of our roads now require reconstruction. Mm. We have seen it happening on Kelvin Road. We have seen it happening on Boshoff Road. Mm. Engineer, you, you, you've talked about two emergency road rehabilitation programs. What's your assessment? One of the first, uh, which was tw tw in 2018, and, and the second, has anything been, anything been achieved as far as you're concerned? The uh, positive thing is that, yes, there has been something positive that has come out of it. I mean, as you drive around, Arari, you look at Seke Road, you look at Kelvin South, you look at Boshoff Road, you look at, at West Road, you look at several roads of the, of the major distributor roads around Arari. And this is the case even in uh, Mashingo and other towns. Uh, I've seen uh, Simon Mazora, the other street in Mashingo. Uh, also being uh, upgraded, I've seen. But but my point is, could not more have been done? Because you and I, I think, right now, sit under a suspicion that there's somebody who's creaming the top. 18% from the software, uh, money from the licensing fees. Somebody's making a lot of money at, at our expense. Most of our roads should have been serviced starting from 2018. Am I being ridiculous? We go back to 2009. That's when uh, the roads set in, uh, when Zinara took over the uh, collection of the vehicle license fees. During my uh, tenure as uh, pres uh, chairman of uh, the board of directors of Zinara, we had uh, the then mayor of Gweru, uh, who was representing the urban councils on the board of Zinara, and uh, he insisted that uh, we allow the urban councils to retain the vehicle license fees. Vehicle license fees had traditionally always been collected by the local authorities for the maintenance of the roads in the jurisdiction in which the vehicles are registered. If you look at your vehicle registration book, it says, uh, gives the address where the vehicle is registered at night. Mm. Uh, that was to allow the local authorities to maintain the local networks. In 2009, Zinara took over the uh, collection of vehicle license fees, and the money did not go back to the local authorities. That was a mistake, wasn't it? Yes and no. Uh, it doesn't matter who collects the vehicle license fees. The critical thing is, does the money go back where it's supposed to go? Mm. And the answer is, it has not been going back. The urban authorities, when they used to collect the vehicle license fees, during my tenure as the chairman of Zenara, we allowed them to retain these fees, and they started maintaining the roads. And then someone came up with this spurious allegation that, oh, the MDC councils are now shining with national funds. So that was used as an excuse to take away the vehicle license fees from the urban councils. Oh, they will abuse the funds. Yes, our urban authorities are not that uh, clean when it comes to issues of allegations of misappropriation of funds and all that. But if that money was going back to the local authorities, which it did in 2001, 2005, we allowed the local authorities to collect the vehicle license fees. We asked them to put the money into a ring-fenced escrow account where they would account for every penny, which is what we call acquittals. Zinara is supposed to do both technical and financial audits for all the works that are funded by Zinara. That's where things have not happened properly, where we have got some uh, companies uh, that were paid and they didn't perform. I mean, recently, even under the ERPP, 
ERRP2, you've seen some companies in the Midlands uh, being uh, having their contracts uh, cancelled because they, they can't deliver. As Nyaradzo, we strive to continuously bring convenience to our clients. Nyaradzo Group is proud to introduce Sawi, a new virtual chatbot assistant on WhatsApp. With Sawi, you are now able to interact with us from the comfort of your home and can be assisted anytime via WhatsApp. With life assurance products, diaspora products, applying and assessing your policy, payment platforms, claims information, and any other queries concerning payments, policy information, or products and services. Simply WhatsApp Sawi on plus 263-712-992892 or register and start interacting and receiving notifications from Sawi on WhatsApp. Now, join in and experience a new level of convenience 24 hours a day with Sawi. How do you give a tender for somebody to construct a road who is not able to construct a road? Explain that to me. It's very simple. Uh, the procurement process is flawed. It has to be flawed if you end up awarding a tender to someone who cannot perform. Uh, if I can take you back just a little bit. You mentioned that the Emergency Road Rehabilitation 1. The city of Ferrari commissioned a special investigation. And I was on that report, uh, on that uh, committee. Special committee. Mm. Yeah. We, and we produced a report where we established that uh, the procurement so, process. So you, you actually, the special committee found no documentation of procurement procedures, no compliance with procurement procedures, no tendering methods, and, and so on and so on. There's a whole lot uh, that went wrong with that ERRP1. Uh, we produced that report, identified the shortcomings, we made recommendations, and guess what? That report was not even adopted by the city of Ferrari. It's all there in the public domain, and no one is paying any attention to what we found that went wrong. It's still going wrong under the ERRP2. Why? Because someone is not bothered to do who, something who about it. Who is that someone? The powers that be, the responsible authorities, and ultimately, is that the minister, the it, mayor, it, who is that? It has to. Well, the Roads Act places the onus on the minister for transport. He is responsible for every inch of every public road in this country. Those roads that may be under the state roads, that are the responsibilities of the Department of Roads, the roads in the urban areas, that are the responsibilities of the various city councils. But they are no longer the responsibilities of councils, is that what you're saying? Because that the, the funding has been taken away from them. The funding that was supposed to come from the road fund through Zinara is still going there, but it's not going to be enough for the task at hand. Mm -hmm. And uh, under the Emergency Road Rehabilitation Program, uh, it transpires that government has found it necessary to take over some of those roads. Mm -hmm. The roads that are being uh, rehabilitated under the ERRP are now the responsibility of the ministry. Mm -hmm. The ministry has taken over those roads. But from 2009, when things started going uh, the wrong direction, our roads started deteriorating. Most of our roads have not seen the maintenance that is required. 
When we look at a black top rod, mm. surface rod, it's designed to be impervious. Roads and water do not mix. Roads will always win. If you uh, look at bush of rod, mm. until they are tended to the drainage, they have to go back and cut the drains that are required. If water is not drained away from the surface of the rod, from the side of the rods, from the shoulders, from the side, road side drains, away into the water courses and uh, uh, alpha drains, that water will get into the road. And so clearly, engineer, the, the, the big issue that we've identified, you and I, is sitting here, which is in, the, in other reports, is, is the funding issue. And the fact that the responsibility to fund local roads was taken away from local authorities and concentrated in uh, a structure which is already busy, Zinara and, 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 and the ministry. You are now bringing in a technical issue, isn't it? Which, which other issues are hampering the repair of our roads? Well, besides funding, there is need for a holistic plan as to what needs to be done to the national road network. I mentioned the National Road Condition Survey. The original National Road Condition Survey was done in 2000 as a prelude to the establishment of Zenara. When Zenara was established, there were certain operational manuals as well as formulae that had been designed on how best to apportion the funds that would accrue to the road fund. And in 2001 to 2005, this was followed diligently. Mm. We demonstrated that we could follow these manuals, we could allocate the funds according to this formula, and it worked. So it's not as if Zenara did not work. Zenara can be made to work if we go back to the fundamentals. And those fundamentals are to ensure that the funds that are collected, only the operational charges for Zenara, the administrative charges of Zenara, which I set at a certain specified percentage, mm, 5 mm. or 10 percent, with the bulk of the funds, if we collected 200 million USD and we said, okay, allow 10 percent for your operational cost, 180 million USD ended up going into the ROS network. Our ROS network would have not reached the stage where we are, where mm. we require now to reconstruct most of the roads. Mm. That's where we've gone wrong. Mm. With, uh, the... Tell me, was it necessary for Zenara to be established, seeing that we had, we had the Minister of Roads and Transport, or Roads Transport? Yes. If, was if, it necessary for Zenara? Or if, this is creation of another parastatals, creating an opportunity for jobs for the boys? Uh, the creation of Zenara was most necessary. It was an identification by the international community for the need to have sustainable funding of the maintenance of the roads. Mm. And uh, when you look around our region, we have got uh, uh, similar road authorities in South Africa. We've got them in uh, Mozambique, in Zambia, and in Malawi. And I've had the opportunity to interact with uh, those uh, uh, road authorities. They have succeeded where we have failed. And the difference basically is that the other entities in other countries are run diligently, professionally, without misappropriation of funds. How do you explain taking 48 million out of 200 million 
And that's all you pass on to the uh, National Road uh, Designated Authority. Mm -hmm. And the other 156 million goes into other expenses. And how do you explain declaring a national road uh, emergency when you know that the problem is because you are taking uh, 100 and, 152 million and putting it into private pockets instead of repairing roads? The, it is a very tricky situation uh, that uh, this is, can be happening and is happening. And uh, there appears to be a reluctance to do something. Uh, there's been uh, allegations of uh, people that have uh, misappropriated the funds, but there's very feeble efforts to recover those funds. And you start wondering, why is it like that? What, what will it take? for this nation to do the right thing. Uh, the ERRP is acknowledging that the roads are beyond maintenance. So, like I said, Zinara initially was only for maintenance. Any upgrading and rehabilitation and reconstruction was always expected to be done at national level. Mm. And it hasn't been done. Mm. And now it's being done. Uh, yes, like I said, they are good efforts. They are, they are good examples of what has been achieved, but it's not going to be enough. But I've seen um, firsthand new roads that have been constructed that have potholes inside six, three months, six months. I drive on a road uh, in my neighborhood uh, that was put up in, uh, in uh, uh, January, uh, December, November, December, thereabout. That has got potholes already. They were resurfacing, they were filling up the potholes this week. Enterprise Road done very recently mm. and um the next day there's uh stuff that's coming up coming on the roads and remains like that uh, damage for some for some time lots of roads that have been repaired or resurfaced that have been damaged inside six months or inside a year how do we explain that the explanation is very simple trevor uh, besides the flaws in the procurement process and uh, the uh, appointment and awarding of these contracts uh, to companies that can't perform, there is the fundamental flow of standard specifications. Uh -huh. You can't expect to reconstruct a road without following any special standard specification. You can't reconstruct a road without considering geometric designs where such designs are required. Uh, you cannot construct roads without attending to the drainage. As I mentioned, mm -hmm. roads and water do not mix. Now, look at Boshoff Road. The portals that had started forming on Boshoff Road was because there was no drainage. They, no one had allowed for drainage. Look at uh, Arare Drive from uh, Enterprise Road to Acturas. That was one of the roads that was done under the ERRP-1. The quality of the asphaltic concrete that was used is uh, raveling and uh, deforming. Uh, the, there is no proper drainage. It's not going to work. If you I, can't I, what, do that. What would you say, engineer, if I said to you, this is being allowed to happen by the government uh, because some people in government are profiting from this. That This is corruption. We are putting $152 million into private pockets, which should be um, used to resurface our roads, build new roads, so that the economy's wheels are oiled. What, what's your pushback on that? Besides the evidence uh, that uh, borders on criminality that was presented in the Portfolio Committee report on Zinara, 
and uh, the forensic audit report. Uh, I don't have any information as to who else to pinpoint uh, the um, malfeasance and uh, the misappropriation mm -hmm. of funds mm -hmm. uh, at Zinara. My plea uh, is that uh, something needs to be done, and uh, it can only be done by the uh, leadership in this country. They must do something well, about it. What is that something, engineer? Well, well, what do you mean by something needs to be done? Let's go back to the fundamentals. Uh, Zinara was created for the specific purpose of ensuring that we collect sufficient road user charges, which we still are collecting, and ensuring that those funds are channeled to the purpose of maintaining the national road network. That needs to be done. Zinara is supposed to publish annual accounts. The last annual accounts that I remember seeing were the ones that was published by my board in 2005. And we haven't had any annual accounts since 2005? We see bits and pieces, but these are supposed to be full-fledged audited accounts of operations, of income and expenditure, annually. You have been very outspoken um, about the uh, damage on our uh, uh, flyovers or overpasses. In 2019, you actually wrote a letter to OPC, the Office of uh, uh, the President and Cabinet, um, saying that uh, this was posing a danger to the public. Describe to us what that problem looks like and uh, whether there's been any attention to the issues that you raised. I was invited by the city of Ferrari back in 2006. In September 2006, I and my colleagues, who were both uh, uh, masters of, uh, holders of masters in bridge engineering, uh, these were top-notch bridge engineers, we inspected those bridges on uh, two separate occasions. Uh, we identified uh, certain defects that are still there. Uh, you, the, the defects uh, were manifesting as far back as 2006, uh, which defects indicated that uh, some of the uh, reinforcement steel bars had rusted through, which means that uh, the load-bearing capacity of uh, some of those members uh, may have been uh, compromised. Uh, for the duration since 2006 up to date, uh, there's been uh, no uh, action taken to repair the, those defects. Uh, further inspections have been conducted, indicating that perhaps the damage is not that serious. But uh, my colleagues uh, that I worked with at that time back in 2006 uh, indicated that uh, the uh, defects that we're manifesting uh, did warrant uh, urgent attention. It goes beyond those uh, flyover bridges at Rotenwell. Uh, it goes to the national bridges. Uh, we have got uh, a lot of bridges around the country uh, that require to be inspected on an annual basis. Uh, we've got uh, bridges uh, whose uh, uh, integrity, structural integrity, has been observed to be compromised. Uh, bridges that are screaming for urgent attention. There is an urgent need for some of these bridges to be attended to. Uh, there is a program, uh, as far as I have uh, gathered, to do something about uh, these bridges. Uh, I'm not sure where it is at, 
but it's taking a bit too long. But the other thing that is of concern for me is that the annual bridge inspections may not be conducted diligently because perhaps we don't have the uh, capacity, mm. perhaps we don't have the knowledge and the capability to do this. There's need to train people to conduct bridge inspections properly. Uh, in the old days, I'm going back to, I'm, I'm now displaying my age. <laughs> I, I joined the Ministry of Transport back in 1975. That's, that's how far back I've been involved with roads. Uh, so, yes, my 45... Which, which is why I said you are responsible for the terrible state that our roads are in. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, guilty as charged. That's why perhaps I need to talk as I'm doing mm. to try and get those that will listen to do something about are, are it. Are they listening? So you, you, you uh, raised an alarm regarding our bridges. H has any of them collapsed? Not yet. Not yet. Touch wood. Is, is anything yeah. being done? Like I said, there is a program that has been initiated. Uh, I'm not sure where, uh, when it will actually take off to do something about these bridges. Uh, there are bridges outside Gwanda where... Uh, when I uh, did the study for the Gwanda Bight Bridge Road uh, back in 2016, we found that uh, these were uh, in a very bad state. And they could collapse any time. There's the famous Jack Quinton Bridge on the Sawe River uh, on the Chirezi Tanganda Road uh, where you can see through the deck. Mm. It's, it's cracked that you can see through it. Uh, there are several uh, inspections that have been conducted on bridges which have noted uh, defects that have, uh, need to be attended to. But uh, someone needs to wake up before there is a disaster. Who is that someone? <laughs> the Minister of Transport, again, is responsible for all the bridges in our country. The chief engineer bridges in the Minister of Transport is ultimately responsible for all bridges. But they're bridges. not doing anything. I'm not sure what they are mm. doing. You, so you've been talking, you've been raising an alarm. Is anything, do you get a sense that anybody's listening to what you're saying? They do listen. Uh, I want to go back to the flyovers uh, yeah. at Rotten Road. Uh, the city of Ferrari, uh, who designed and constructed those flyovers, by the way, uh, they pleaded poverty. They pleaded uh, non-availability of funds to do whatever was necessary which was to go and do a thorough investigation and then to come up with uh, the requisite uh, remedial action. Uh, the short answer is that someone must assume that responsibility. When I was at Zinara, one of the things that we did is we said, there is going to be always demand for do this road, do that road. And the short answer is, let's create a fund. Uh, this came out of uh, the request at the time to do Karik Kriya. You know a Karik Kriya. Yeah. <laughs> it goes to the blue. It uh, goes to the president's house, former president's house. Yes. And there was demand for funds from Zinara to upgrade that road. And uh, It got done. It got done. Uh, the other one uh, that also came up at the time, there was uh, the upgrading and surfacing of the road uh, to Severa Mission uh, back in 2005. I actually went to inspect that road, and uh, we came up to the conclusion that we need to create an emergency fund 
It's not a slash fund, as some people would want to put it. It's an acknowledgement that there will be emergencies. And we've had such emergencies. It's, it's difficult, engineer, to justify the creation of an emergency fund when it is clear to all and sundry that the money is there. It's just going to private pockets. How, what's the pushback on that? The pushback on that is that we've had uh, emergencies uh, caused by natural phenomenon, uh, such as uh, we had uh, cyclone uh, uh, Idai. Idai, but even before Cyclone Idai, we had Cyclone Elin. Some of the bridges that were washed away by Cyclone Elin in 2000 are still to be repaired. I mean, the Nyausa and the... My point is, it doesn't matter how much of an emergency fund you create. If, you are, if the corruption and the looting is, 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 is not uh, put to an end, this is going to happen. They are going to loot the, the emergency fund. They are going to the corruption is going to erode the emergency fund. Trevor, we need to refuse to accept wrongdoings. I am a firm believer that we cannot plan our lives around corruption, around uh, things that are abnormal. The emergency fund that we created at Zinara was designed specifically to attend to genuine emergencies, and they do exist. Mm. The fact that someone may have uh, come in and uh, uh, abused the funds or diverted the funds to some other use is, should not detract us from planning for the correct thing. When cyclones come, they don't give you the opportunity to be ready. They happen. And the most you get is a few days' notice to be prepared for when those uh, things happen. And but, but my point, and I hear what you're saying, my point is that you're double punishing the taxpayer who's already paying towards the construction and rehabilitation of roads by creating, creating an emergency fund. I, as a taxpayer, would say, no, 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 no need to create an emergency fund. Use the money that you've got. The emergency fund that I was talking about was actually coming out of process that had already accumulated to the road fund. It was simply putting aside a small stash for when such an emergency would occur. I am laughing because they are putting money in their pockets. <laughs> <laughs> That, let's, let's, move, let's move to something that you were again involved in, the national tolling policy. Uh, what's, what's the thinking there when it comes to national polling, uh, tolling? rather? And are you happy with the state of our uh, tolling at the moment? Okay. Uh, the study that was uh, initiated by the World Bank was to look at the national tolling policy for Zimbabwe. But uh, the study quickly gravitated to an overview of uh, the funding of the road sector in Zimbabwe. Mm. Uh, we covered uh, various uh, facets uh, with regards to the funding of the road sector. What are the sources of funding? Are they adequate for the purpose? Uh, where can we improve on the uh, funding? And uh, parallel to that, there was a study that was also looking at the operations of Zinara. And uh, it all came down to one set conclusion. Mm. Until we attend to the malfeasance and misappropriation at Zinara, we are batting our heads against a brick. We need to arrest the misappropriation at Zinara, make sure that those funds that are collected are channeled to the purpose for which they are being collected. 
It can be done. It was done 2001-2005, maybe even up to 2009. But uh, we have since lost the track. Uh, I have been trying to find out, and I still haven't been able to do so, establish the current scenario. How much is accumulating to the road fund? Mm. And how much of it is going to the designated road authorities or for the purpose for which the funds are being collected? And guess what? The numbers seem to suggest we are still back at 2017, where 24% or 48 million out of 200 million ended up with the designated road authorities. And the rest? It's still disappearing into other expenses. Wow. For, for the viewers who are at home, um, engineer, they will identify with what I'm saying, which is the inconvenience at toll gates. The inconvenience at the Norton uh, toll gate, uh, Harare Boulevard Road, the inconvenience at the Skyline, uh, uh, Skyline uh, toll gate, the inconvenience at the Marondera uh, Melford, uh, Melford uh, toll gate, the inconveniences you're driving Shamba. out. Shamba. Mm -hmm. And we are being charged for the software, and this software is clearly not working. And people are crowding, loss of productive time at those toll gates. Talk to me about that. Well, I think it's uh, good news that uh, something positive is going to be done. Uh, I am aware that uh, Zinara and the Minister of Transport are embarking on upgrading our toll gates. <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> you are laughing, but uh, this is a, a very serious uh, situation in that it has been acknowledged that uh, there is a necessary congestion in some of our targets. Now, when you look at most of our targets already, they are designated to have a lane for people with exemptions, uh, vehicles with uh, prepaid uh, cards that do not need to stop then there's supposed to be a separate lane for vehicles paying in hard cash, which should be relatively quick. Then there should be a third lane for vehicles that pay using uh, mobile money, whether it's uh, mm. uh, uh, one of the mob yeah. mobile suppliers and so on. Now, if that was implemented diligently, and the plans are now on the end that those that are exempt and they have got prepaid cards should be able to go through without even stopping. Mm. There will be high-speed cameras that can read the prepaid or the exemption mm. some distance away and uh, you get your green light to go straight through. You don't even need to stop. Mm. If that is done and there are more people who go to get prepaid for the convenience of not mm. having to stop, mm it will go a long way. But if the system works, I mean, the South African uh, toll system, which is unpopular, the queues are long, but the queues move very quickly because the system works. If you're swiping, you swipe, you, you, you go. Why don't we have a system like that, but, seeing as we're paying so much money? Because engineer? if you go to any of the toll gates today, the people that are manning and running those toll gates are not enforcing the use of those three queues that I've mentioned. The exemptions and prepaid. But even the, the processing cash. is slow, engineer. Very slow. So many countless times you're told that uh, the system is down. Our system is slow. Our system is down. We cannot continue to rely on uh, the uh, internet that is provided in remote places uh, through the 
Well, let me rephrase that. Mm. We need to beef up the internet connectivity because online banking or online payments mm. rely on internet connectivity. You go to a, to, to, to a target and you want to pay uh, using uh, a mobile uh, payment system and the system is down. That's inevitably going to cause delays. So there is need to beef up the internet connectivity at all the targets to ensure that we get consistent, constant mm -hmm. signals. Whether we have to use uh, VSAT systems that link directly to the satellite, so be it. But mm -hmm. you look and see that some of the targets, especially those on the Plum Tree Forbes uh, road, mm -hmm. they already are connected via satellite uh, connections. Zenara operates a centralized uh, monitoring center, control mm -hmm. center in Willowville, here in Arare, where they can see real-time situations at every target. They can so they are aware of uh, the, the chaos? The, the chaos, they are aware of it. It's, again, I, I don't understand why, the inability to do the correct thing. They know what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Engineer, you have um, uh, been drawn in by um, authorities to proffer suggestions as to how we should, um, uh, whether our water situation can be improved. You were, together with engineer Peter Morris, uh, approached by, uh, as, as part of the Zimbabwe Association of Engineers to say, is there a solution to our uh, water problems? And in your report, you, this is what you said, uh, you said, in summary, there is no quick innovation, innovative technical solution to Harare's problems. The causes and solutions are well known. Administrative and financial issues must be resolved to ensure that the system can at least cover its operation and maintenance costs. Without resolving these issues, it is pointless to consider technical solutions. The work that must be done is hard. It is either easy, it is either easy, it is not easy or glamorous, but it must be done. So essentially, you were saying you're coming to us as engineers, but this has got nothing to do with engineering. Am I right? Yes. Uh, the situation with the, the water wars in Harare uh, is very simple. We are not producing sufficient potable treated water to meet our demand. Uh, when you go back and look at this Why? Why are we not producing sufficient potable water to meet our <laughs> demands? Well, like I was beginning to explain, when you go back to the situation, the water treatment plants for Arare, well, there are actually two. That is the, the Morton Jaffrey Waterworks at Norton, as well as uh, the Prince Edward Dam Waterworks on the Chitungiza Road. There's a small plant uh, which uh, is at uh, the Cleveland Dam, which is where the city of Arare started drawing its water before they went to Prince Edward Dam, before they went on to Chuero. Uh, the Morton Jaffrey's waterworks. The Morton Jaffrey waterworks uh, needs to be expanded to reach demand. But even as it is now, it's operating at less than 50% capacity. We have got problems uh, with the quality of water in uh, uh, Lake Chuero, where we should be drawing water from cleaner water from uh, uh, Darwindle Dam, Lake Manyami. Uh, I don't know what the situation is at the moment. Uh, whether where we are getting our water, but some people are actually exploiting the situation, supplying mm. chemicals to the city of Harare. They perhaps don't need or wish for this to be solved. 
So that's the fundamental problem. We need to do, uh, treat sufficient water to meet our requirements. There is sufficient raw water in Lake Chiwero and Lake Manyami to meet current demand. Talk of Kunji Dam. Kunji Dam is going to produce 250 million megaliters a day, which will be sufficient for the eastern suburbs of your Borodell, Glen, Glen Lawn, and uh, Mabvuku Tafara. It won't even reach the rest of Ferrari. <laughs> it will probably end up going to the Letombo reservoirs, and that's where it will... But you also need pipes, engineer. Ah. You need, you need pressure to pump no, the water into pipes which are non-existent. How old is our uh, water reticulation network? It's over 40 years old. We inherited it from the uh, Smith regime. And when I say it's over 40 years old, I'm being conservative. It may go back well, well beyond that. We are the population of 400,000 people in Arari. It's sad, isn't it, engineer, when you and I um, have to talk about we inherited the roads from Ian Smith. Yes, we did. Look at what they are now. We've done nothing to those. We've roads. destroyed the jewel. Okay. Yes. We've inherited the dams and the pumps and the pipes from Ian Smith. Look at what they look like. We've done What's as regard, wrong with us? We've, no, we've done, we've done Tokwe Mukosi, we're doing Gwai Shangani. So we, we, we've, we've been slow, but we are, we are, we are beginning to, to, to awaken. To, 42 years? <laughs> Trevor, let's go back to the Arade situation. Our water reticulation system is uh, inadequate for the purpose. With f 4 million people relying on Arare water, uh, that is including Norton Tutungweza, uh, Rua, Domboshawa, with uh, a network designed for 400,000 people. We've got uh, 10 times as much demand. So the network is not coping. Uh, the system is antiquated and dilapidated. It requires to be replaced and upgraded. That is the water, that is the sewage. It's an emergency situation. Again, none of our uh, sewage treatment plants are operating at the moment. Uh, Fairly, uh, Crowbro, Ingwe in uh, Chitungweza, they are all discharging raw sewage into our very reservoirs that we are drawing water from. The water from uh, Manyami, from, from uh, uh, Marimba, it all ends up in Lake Chuero, making the treatment of that water that much more expensive. So we need to revamp the water reticulation system. We need to revamp the sewage uh, reticulation system. We need to revamp the sewage treatment plants. It's not a walk in the park, but a start needs to be made somewhere. Now, all of these things are... And, and, and there, we, 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 we did talk about this uh, during the break. We are not short on plans. Yes. We have lots of plans. We are short on implementation. We are short... We, 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 we put the money where we shouldn't be putting it. Lots of plans. The World Bank has helped us put in, in place road plans and, and water plans. But we're terrible at, at, at implementation because at implementation arises the opportunity to be corrupt and to loot. I don't know what it is that will get the necessary will to implement the numerous blueprints that have been drafted and are ready and they are gathering dust on some bookshelf somewhere. There's a 2014 uh, Greater Rare Master Plan for Water. Diligently done, very elaborate, covering the greater area, including the satellite towns of Norton, Chitungiza, Rua, and so on. It's gathering dust. It, it doesn't help the people in Bari 
who don't have water, whose water has been, uh, uh, you know, uh, spoiled by uh, sewer and that kind of stuff. People want to see action, and that's not happening. You hear of uh, multi-billion dollar deals to revamp the uh, sanitation system in Arare, water and sewerage. But it's just talk. It's been a talk for several years now. Like I said, 2014, there's a master plan. It's screaming for implementation. Now, everybody is now moved on to be self-sufficient. I have had to put a ball, I've had to put in over a tank. We've become a green tank town. Everybody now is self sufficient But that's not sustainable. No, it isn't. Groundwater is depleting mm. yeah. and it's not being replenished at the uh, rate. rate that is required to sustain the uh, drawdown mm. because there are too many balls. And sooner or later, well, it's already happening. Balls now need to be over 100 meters deep to get to, to water. Mm. So, yes, it's all very well that there are balls being drilled at the moment, being equipped with uh, solar-powered uh, pumps and all that. But sooner or later, those balls will run That's not the solution. Ball water is susceptible to uh, contamination with sewage. As Nyaradzo, we strive to continuously bring convenience to our clients. Nyaradzo Group is proud to introduce SAWI, a new virtual chatbot assistant on WhatsApp. With Sawi, you are now able to interact with us from the comfort of your home and can be assisted anytime via WhatsApp. With life assurance products, diaspora products, applying and assessing your policy, payment platforms, claims information, and any other queries concerning payments, policy information, or products and services, Simply WhatsApp Sawi on plus two six three seven one two double nine two eight nine two or register and start interacting and receiving notifications from Sawi on WhatsApp. Now join in and experience a new level of convenience twenty four hours a day with Sawi. So engineer People sitting at home will say, but this man was in charge of Zinara for five years. What did he do when he was there? And why is he making so much noise that now that he's out there? What were your achievements when you were at Zinara? Are, are you bitter? No, I cannot be bitter in uh, the sense that uh, I was given an opportunity to serve my country uh, by being the inaugural chairman of Zinara. Uh, I am angry that uh, the uh, positive thing that we created called Zinara has been hijacked. And uh, the noble purpose of uh, creating sufficient revenue through these road user charges that uh, the motorists contribute to is being hijacked and uh, misappropriated. Uh, and uh, we end up with this sorry state in which our national road network is in because we are not able to put that money where it's supposed to go. And th that's something that needs to be sorted out. Mm. We need to go back to the fundamentals, the purpose and intention of establishing the road fund and creating Zinara. It can and it was proved mm. that it can work. It can work. Supposing you were, I'm going to put you on the spot now, supposing you were the president of Zimbabwe, 
facing these roads that are non-existent. I mean, I'll tell you, a friend of mine I uh, met uh, the other day says, uh, a friend went to Mbare and called him from Mbare and says, please don't come to Mbare. There are no roads anymore. I've been there. Um, there are no roads anymore. <laughs> there are no roads. Anymore. Mm -hmm. What would you do if you were president of this country and you were confronted by this crisis? There are no roads. I mean, the few roads that are being mended and, 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 and resurfaced, there are very few. The majority of our roads are impassable, are not there. What would you do? Well, the back streets in most of our suburbs where there is high density or low density are no longer trafficable and they require complete uh, reconstruction. So what would you do? We have to go back to the basics. We have to start from scratch. It, it's, it's a tall order, uh, but uh, we cannot continue with the, the current state of our road network, especially in our back streets. So where would you start? Where, where, does, where do these basics start? The basic would be to start with uh, the major distributor roads. Uh, one would need to liaise, which I hope is being done, uh, with uh, the respective uh, designated road authorities, uh, the town council, uh, department of works, and so on, to identify the priority roads. We need to prioritize things. We can't do everything at once. So there's need for uh, prioritization. One of the things that needs to be done, Trevor, is very simple. Where is our national development plan for roads? It's there. It's not being used. Well, there was the Zimbabwe National Transport Master Plan, uh, which was done in 2017. It's not yet been uh, adopted or uh, implemented. But uh, beyond that, what needs to be done right now is to conduct an annual national road condition survey, identify what our national roads network is, which was done previously in 2017. So we pretty much know where our roads are. What condition are they in? What intervention rehabilitation strategies are required for each road? What is the budgetary requirements? How much money is needed to do the necessary rehabilitation of the roads? Then we need to come up with a uh, implementation plan with timelines. Over what period are we going to be able to do the necessary work? Until we have produced such a holistic plan, Whatever we are doing is stopgap measure. Mm. The emergency road rehabilitation program is what it you is. and I have agreed, engineer, that it's not about the shortage of plans. We have lots of plans. It's implementation, engineer. It is implementation, but uh, for us to be able to implement anything, it must be documented clearly. If I was to ask anybody, whether it's the Ministry of Transport or Zinara, how much is required? And which roads are required as a first-year priority? Mm. I would be hard-pressed to get an answer. Mm. And um, to, looking at uh, the skills, do we have enough engineers? I was reading yesterday that we're supposed to have civil engineers, mechanical engineers, and that kind of stuff. We're supposed to have 18,000, and we have about 1,500. Is that one of the contributing factors, that skills <laughs> have left or we're not producing enough skills? We are producing enough graduates. Now, the question is, where are they getting that experience? And uh, the short answer is, there isn't much work that is happening. We have got uh, experience and seasoned experienced engineers and technicians from Zimbabwe in uh, neighboring countries and abroad. 
they will come back if the uh, opportunities to work in this country were uh, presented. We need to train our graduates. There is need for serious graduate training for both the uh, uh, engineers and the technicians, as used to happen before. Mm. We used to have seminars and workshops all over. The Zimbabwe Institution of Engineers is a training program, but uh, it needs support. We have requested for support from the powers that be. Zinara has got a vested interest to see a training program for the engineers and technicians that run our national road networks through the various uh, designated road authorities. They must come to the table. Mm. And those of us who have got the capacity and are willing will go out and offer that training through mm. the Zimbabwe Institution of Engineers. Mm. So you, you, you have uh, a double major from uh, uh, New Mexico University. You have a double major in uh, civil engineering and geological engineering. Why did you decide to study engineering? Uh, quite honestly, it was uh, by default. <laughs> I didn't choose to be an engineer. Uh, I enjoyed the work. Uh, I've spent um, my professional career uh, around the roads. I live and breathe roads. Uh, so I've learned to, to, to enjoy it. But at the time, it was the only positive career that I could get. The people who sponsored me to to undertake my course in the United States, I'm forever grateful to that. This was done by the African American Institute. Mm -hmm. I'm not the only one who benefited from this particular uh, overture. The African American Institute, of all things, was funded by the United States Agents for International Development. Mm. I am not ashamed to confess or accept that I am a beneficiary of USAID. Mm. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. No, there definitely is nothing wrong. Uh, The requirement was that I come and save my country, and I want to believe that I've done that Mm. to the best of my ability so far. So prior to going to New Mexico University, where did you study? I went to Kutama uh, Old Boys, Mm. uh, Kutama Kutama College. Uh, I only went as far as uh, ordinary levels at Kutama. Uh, Then I started... uh, doing all sorts of funny jobs as a clerk typist in a furniture shop in Kadoma. Uh, I worked uh, in a textile sh- uh, factory in Kadoma before I joined the Ministry of Transport at their training center. Ministry of Transport had a very elaborate training center at uh, Belvedere, where they are now doing uh, VID training. That's where I started in 1975. Is that, is that uh, training still there, the one that you... Sadly, uh, the training uh, for technicians at the Ministry of Transport uh, training center uh, was stopped some years ago, uh, which was a very sad uh, scenario because uh, several of us, including myself, came through that training center. Mm-hmm. It was a very good grounding for anyone who aspired to be a roads engineer like myself. And I would hope and wish that one day it would be resuscitated. And you, 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 you have worked in the region quite a lot. So you've got a wealth of experience. Do you sometimes not get frustrated that your experience is not being used by your own country? I've worked in Botswana, uh, I've worked in Mozambique, I've worked in Zambia, I've worked in Lesotho, I've worked in Malawi, I've worked in Tanzania, I've been to the DRC, I've been around. <laughs> uh, and uh, I am sad that uh, in my country we seem to fail to have uh, structures that can sustain our roads sector. Uh, we have got uh, Zinara, which... Uh, at one time, we had uh, people coming from neighboring countries to come and uh, see what Zinada was doing and mm. achieving. 
uh, I don't know whether we will be proud enough to invite people to come and see what is happening here. Uh, our neighboring countries have gone and uh, set up elaborate uh, road administrations that are doing wonders. So given sitting where you are with your years of experience uh, in the region, in the country, having seen that things do work, what do you put down, what, how do you explain where we are as, as a country when it comes to infrastructure like roads and water? And having seen that things do work in neighboring countries. At one time, the Minister of Transport here in Zimbabwe is a national coordinator for the road sector based at the Minister of Transport. As I indicated at the beginning, we've got state roads under the Department of Roads. We've got rural council roads, rural roads under rural district councils and the district development fund. And we've got uh, urban roads under the various uh, town councils and town boards. There is no coordinated planning for all of those. The plan that I mentioned that is required, a holistic plan, must be done at a centralized level. And that can only be done by the Minister of Transport, who is ultimately responsible for all roads. There is need for a central coordinated plan. Uh, there is some efforts at uh, OPC. There are some efforts at uh, the Ministry. There are some efforts at Zinara, but they still need to bring all of that together into one cohesive, comprehensive plan. My sense is, and push back as much as you want, my sense is give back the budgets for urban roads, council roads, to those authorities. Take them away from Zinara. Leave Zinara to be in charge of national uh, roads. What's, what's, your, what's your pushback? Well, let's go back to what I said before. We've got toll gates that are collecting toll fees. The international best practice that toll gate fees should go to maintain the roads on which the toll gates are maintained, are located. Uh, yeah. So those funds, initially, when toll gates were created, used to accumulate to the Department of Roads to look after the roads on which the toll gates are located. Similarly, vehicle license fees should maintain the roads in the jurisdictions in which the vehicles are licensed. There's no point for me to pay vehicle license fees for my, my few dollars to go and find a road elsewhere mm. because I'm paying to get my road fixed. Similarly, the fuel levy, the fuel levy should be apportioned according to the volume of traffic within a particular jurisdiction. If Harare has got the majority of vehicles registered in Harare, it should be entitled to be paid the majority of the fees that are being collected for the fuel levy. Otherwise, this attitude of uh, sharing the cake, spreading the cake, is not working. It's proving not to be working. Yeah. You, you, you were involved in a study, am I right, for seeing whether uh, the, the airport road could be told. I what, was, was, what was the conclusion there? I, I was involved in the initial uh, design of the freeway for the Arari Airport Road. And this was back in 2008. And uh, work did start. Uh, we had uh, seven uh, great separation uh, interchanges or flyovers, as you would like to call them. Uh, one at uh, 7th Street, mm. uh, at Dieppe, at George, at St. Patrick's, at Harare Drive, and then we get into the airport. 
That has not yet been uh, completed. Mm. The freeway has not yet been completed. The missing link is from uh, the Dieppe roundabout back into uh, town. The study that was uh, done recently was to do with uh, finishing off the missing links, and uh, that could be done perhaps under a build, operate, and transfer arrangement. The uh, findings are still being uh, considered by the client, but uh, one hopes that uh, sooner or later uh, that may also be implemented. Is the road going to be told? It has to be told. Uh, the, the whole essence of a build, operate, and transfer is to, uh, to recoup the capital expenditure, operational expenditure, and maintenance expenditure through tolls. Uh, on that particular road, the logical thing will be to go for electronic tolling, uh, e-tolgates like the ones you find in uh, Gauteng in mm. South Africa, mm. or the ones that are being proposed for our tolgates here for the uh, no-stopping no lane, mm. uh, so that uh, the motoring public will contribute to the investment. Mm. Otherwise, it may never be completed. Engineer, I know you don't read, but uh, I want I want uh, the viewers at home to hear why you don't read. So, uh, <laughs> I read a lot, Trevor. Right. I don't you read don't fiction. read books. You don't read fiction. All right? I don't read fiction. Yeah. I find that uh, there is sufficient uh, technical material in uh, engineering journals and uh, articles. I get to be asked to uh, do quite a, a bit of uh, peer reviews of other people's. Uh, uh, articles, uh, because I, I also enjoy writing. Mm. Uh, what, what do you enjoy writing? What do you write? I write about anything and everything in life. Uh, I write about politics. I, I, I write about uh, social issues. But I also write, more importantly, about my profession, the things around engineering, mm. the articles on uh, water that I wrote with uh, uh, Peter Morris, the articles about the bridges and so on. Uh, so I, I, I do uh, read quite a lot. I read uh, online news. Uh, I am very skeptical of online news in that uh, you have to read several sources to make sure you get the correct sense. Uh, some of the uh, online news uh, and any, sites. Any books that you've read that are interesting? That are not fiction, but... Uh... No. No, no. no. Mm. I, haven't, I haven't got any particular book that I can say I've read. Mm. That's, 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 that's useful um, to, to hear. But, but uh, my challenge to the youngsters out there is uh, there's so much to read now that uh, with the Internet of Things, access to the Internet, mm. you can uh, use the Internet positively to enrich your life, your, your, your profession. Uh, you can you can do anything. The, yeah. the sky is, is the limit with the uh, Internet of Things. Absolutely. Uh, engineer, I'm Sarura, civil and uh, geological. geological engineer, Musarura. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You know, we, 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 we've, we've just crashed the surface. There's so much to talk about uh, relating to our road infrastructure. Uh, which is our, deteriorate our overall infrastructure, infrastructure, overall infrastructure. Mm. and you are a, a walking encyclopedia when it comes to that. I hope somebody out there um, realizes that you are a national asset and they invite you to do actual work uh, to help us uh, go back to the basics and begin to build our infrastructure in a meaningful way. I wish that I would be, uh, afford, be afforded the opportunity to help put together the necessary various uh, plans. Perhaps I can conclude by saying that uh, 
uh, with the Zimbabwe Institution of Engineers, we are working on a project where we will be doing what we call infrastructure report card, mm. where we look at uh, our national infrastructure, we analyze the various uh, plans that are in place uh, to uh, advise government and give them a critic of whether that uh, uh, infrastructure is fit for the purpose and what needs to be done. So that uh, no one can say we were not told. We want them to know. Well, like you've already told us that the bridges are the flyovers, the passovers are in a terrible situation. So hopefully somebody jumps around and does that. Engineer, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Engineer. And giving me the opportunity. Indeed. Allow me to turn to our viewers who are all over the world who watch this show every week. Remember, we are a weekly show. We are out on Mondays on YouTube, 7 a.m. Central African time. And to ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations, such as the conversation I've just had with Jan Engineer here, please click on this red button and subscribe. When you subscribe, you will receive an alert every time we have one of these quality conversations. So until next time, thank you for watching and cheers to you all.